Welcome to this bonus edition of the World of CONCACAF podcast. I am Eric Schmitz. I'm Jonathan Sleep. And I'm Donald Wine. And we are going to take a moment to talk about uh, what we saw at the conclusion of the most important sports event on the planet, uh, the CONCACAF Nations League Finals, which took place wait, recently. Wait, Eric, before you, before, you, before you go. I need you to start that over because I need you to put more respect and more enthusiasm on what we witnessed. This is the nation's league and we have the champions. I need you to be, I need you to bring it to the people. Give it to them. All right, let me try this. So take Holy your euros. Shit. Holy shit. Did you guys see that CONCACAF nation's league? There finals. we go. That's there what we're talking go. about. I was gonna say, <laughs> take your euros, take your Copa America and shove it. CONCACAF Nations League <laughs> is the most important tournament in world football. I'm not even we were telling you like most important. We've been saying that we've been telling you we've tried most to electric Mo- like that. It, you're not doing better. Like you cannot do better. That was the greatest conclusion to the greatest like great. I'm talking like the greatest competition as in the stature. That was the greatest as in holy shit. That was amazing. Uh, conclusion to the can we talk quickly can we talk yeah. real quick about the fact that you know we have been hyping this tournament for years like when it was first announced we were all over this oh people of course like, man y'all just they were clowning us they're like man y'all y'all are losers like come on now and now everybody's like nation's league what a great tournament that was and we're like yeah. we done told you this we didn't yeah. told you this for two years yeah, we got to we got to the final like i was trying to explain to someone so like the day after the last monday I'm trying to explain to someone like what'd you do last night i'm like man I don't even know how to put into words and, and we'll get, we'll, we'll first start with the semifinals, but like, I don't know how to put into words what I just experienced. And I wasn't even there. Like you two, you guys were there in <laughs> the stadium. I was just in a bar and like, I just, I can't, I couldn't even put into words. Like, I feel like Luis in uh, all the Marvel movies when he's like, when he starts doing his like real, like recapping things like real quick, like, mm-hmm. I mean, it would have taken him three and a half minutes to get through the first half of the U.S.-Mexico game. And that's not even like, figuring in the rest of CONCACAF Nations League finals. Yeah, this this effectively is our victory lap in that we were <laughs> right. We were right about this competition, and you guys wouldn't listen to us, and we're here to talk about that. So, basically, we got to this point through, I mean... The conclusion it almost lives up to the long, arduous task of getting to the finals. Uh, as you may know, CONCACAF Nations League started back in 2019. Uh, this competition went over the It was supposed to be the 2019-2020 Nations League. And as you may be aware, there was a global pandemic last year. So the scheduled finals for the 2019-2020 Nations League were originally scheduled for June of 2020. They were rescheduled for June of 2021 and moved to beautiful Denver, Colorado. Uh, Donald, how did you like Denver? Oh, I love Denver. Denver's a great town. There's a lot to eat. There's a lot to drink, a, a hell of a lot to drink. There was a lot. But to uh, drink. I really, yeah, and and it was a great atmosphere. I mean, just talking about the stadium, we can, we can talk about everything else later, but just talk about the stadium. Uh, there was a great atmosphere specifically for the Mexico game, the final, it was, you know, 
the the stadium was not fully capacity full capacity it was about 42 percent, so about 31 or 32,000 or something like that but it was electric and everyone was on it they were you know usa fans were cheering mexico fans were cheering costa rica fans and honduran fans were cheering for somebody but you know it was it was in a great great time in denver the city was great they we had great hospitality the but weather was the actual fantastic. like the weather, weather was, was fantastic. fantastic. A little hot, but I mean, you know, I'm from DCs and you guys are from Nashville, so we didn't really notice. But it, when it came to the actual atmosphere of the game, that's exactly what we came to Denver to see. Yeah. I mean, the pool conditions were fantastic. Um, the weather <laughs> was great. A lot of sunshine. I definitely got some sun. Uh, had a lot of great beers. Shout out to uh, Ratio Beer Works in Denver. I ended up Sponsor going back us. there. What's that? I said sponsor us. Yeah, sponsor us. Um, really cool spot uh, in their River North area, um, along with some other breweries that we hit. Um, Odell's was good. Uh, o- Odell had like was really great playlist going, like all '90s like R&B and hip hop. Um, great vibes. Uh, but Ratio, I ended up going back there twice. Um, all their beers are named after like punk rock songs and albums. So it was extremely my, my vibe there. Um, but Denver's really cool. I hadn't had a chance to spend a lot of time there previously. Um, I'd been there once before for about 12 hours. So certainly not enough to experience downtown, but everything was walkable, great public transit, huge, huge ups to Denver for having solid public transit, uh, but a lot of good food, a lot of good beer. And a lot of good vibes. My favorite part about getting to Denver was seeing the street signs, like uh, on like the the light poles. They had Concacaf Nations League finals banners, and I'm like, this town recognizes how important this competition is. And it almost felt like home. You know, it's like I'm finally in a place where this competition is getting the respect it deserves. So, Eric, uh, question for you. Yeah. When are you getting the CONCACAF Nations League trophy tattooed on your body? Listen, mm. my body is a temple. Like I have to, I, I'm not a tattoo guy, but I am in the market for a replica. You know, like <laughs> I'm oh, talking same. like two and a half time scale. I would like it like an eight foot tall replica to put in my uh, living quarters of the Nations League trophy. But like even checking into the hotel, uh, we happen to be staying at the same hotel that CONCACAF apparently was staying at. So you saw like the stand-up signs for a CONCACAF Nations League finals. It's like you felt like, yes, this tournament, which means everything to me, finally means everything to everyone else that's here. I, I went to the gym and in the hotel one morning and, you know, was doing a nice little workout, was getting it in. And all of a sudden, uh, like four or five of the referees walked in to start their workout and I immediately left because they were all like doing warmups on the treadmill that uh, would have been faster than my actual speed. Uh, and I'm a fast dude, but they were, I mean, they were doing it for miles. They weren't doing it for meters. So uh, I, I definitely saw them and was like, yeah, this is the end of my uh, gym session and then got the hell up out either. This isn't the first time that you've been running or had a run in with the referees from a CONCACAF fixture. Cause if you remember the uh, game in Chattanooga, the U S Jamaica game, we walked mm-hmm. into the Buffalo Wild Wings and who happened to be sitting there but the referees from the game we were just in attendance of. <laughs> and they love them some wings. Who doesn't love them some B-dubs? But on to the soccer. 
Uh, let's first hit the semifinals. Uh, first semifinal on Thursday, June 3rd, was uh, USA versus Honduras. Um, USA gets the 1-0 victory on a late goal by Jordan Sibachu. Pifok? Is it Pifok or P- Pefik? Like, I so, heard P- uh, different Pifok, pronunciation. Is Pifok, and I'm, you know, I reached out to U.S. Soccer to get clarification on which one we should we should address them by because they go by Sibichu and on uh, Jordan's Twitter account, it says, call me Pifuk. So uh, I'd like to call him what he wants and, or what he prefers. So uh, we will check back when we get that information from us soccer. Yeah. I'll be interested. I know like at his club teams, he'd gone by Sibichu, but now that he's decided to play for the United States, his mother's was it his maiden his mother's maiden name is Pifok. Correct. And so that that's what I understand that why he's chosen to go by that. But yeah, well, it'll and, be interesting to see. And he's used that uh, he uses that for a club now too. So oh, sweet. Um, I think it's a, across the board change, which is what prompted me to kind of ask because despite all of that, U.S. Soccer is still using Sibachu, and and that's fine if that's what he prefers. But I'd rather go by what he prefers. Yeah, we we will call him whatever he wants to be called. Uh, if he's going champion, to we'll call him champion. Daddy, eighty ninth minute winners, uh, in the Concacaf Nations League semifinals. Uh, guys, quick thoughts on that semifinal game. I mean, I think probably the my biggest takeaway is that game was a slog. Um, I will say that going into that game, I listened to this guy who said, you know, U.S. over three and a half goals. What was that? Was the bet? Uh, I think his name was Eric Schmitz. Yes. Um, Shut up. <laughs> did not hit. Uh, but no, oh, I was getting a free I, trip out of this. Yeah, the game. It was. It was just a bit of a slog. I probably think my biggest takeaway was not a big fan of Jackson Yule uh, in the sixth position. Um, but I mean, you got to do what you got to do to get through. And I think that was that was the whole purpose of the game was get through the game, make it to the next round, and then at that point you can really make a run at it. Um, so I mean that w- that's probably my biggest takeaway from that from that game. For me, the biggest takeaway was that the MVPs, there were multiple MVPs of this of this match. They were the stretcher girls who had oh, yeah. the stretcher best girls. of everyone on the field because every 15 seconds a Honduran player was on the ground and they had to run out with the stretcher to tend to them. So uh yeah, they and they were they were the most popular people on the field every time someone went down there was chance for stretcher girls and they would go out they were not present for the final presumably because it was a school night and also because probably they needed the rest after the like yeah. 5 or they, 6 miles that they ran with the stretcher during this game they did a full 90 in the semifinal so going back to back like that it's too much to ask for people at that age yeah you got to rotate uh, your people so yeah you got to get that squad rotation in uh, I mean, for me, it was clear Honduras went into this game going for PKs. And oh, yeah. I, I really did expect the U.S. to take this one fairly easily. Uh, the last time U.S. had played Honduras in a competition uh, was World Cup qualifying. And that was a 6-0 win with a squad that was arguably weaker than the U.S. squad right now. So you knew, I assumed that goals were going to be coming. And they weren't like Honduras had a game plan. They executed it. Great. Uh, Part of that game plan was killing as much time as possible. Uh, So they hit the ground and they stayed down for as long as I, there's a lot of shit housing in this game. Um, 
and and you couldn't ask anything more out of a comp CONCACAF competition is uh the true shithousery that you got from Honduras in wasting as much time as possible, but yet falling just short uh at the end there and uh giving up that late equalizer on a great play from the substitute um uh for the US. Uh and it started so- like it started right from the beginning. Like it was very clear and I, I think Eric, you and I were kind of discussing this at halftime in the stands, but it was very clear about 25 seconds into this match that the referee was not going to have control of this game. And oh, yeah. Sure enough, he didn't. It was, you know, every, again, every single time, you know, there was one where uh, a Honduran player, you know, went to the ground on his own, got treatment. Tre- I, I say that in air quotes, treatment. Uh, the stretcher girls ran out. He popped up. It was fine. And not only did they give a yellow card, I want to say, to uh, to uh, Kellen Acosta. I want to say it was Kellen Acosta. Uh, you can check me on that. But not only did they do that, but they let the guy stay in the game and said, hey, there was no foul, uh, but you can still stay in the game. And he didn't have to go off and be waved back on, which was incredible. And then, of course, like like five seconds later, he went back down again. And that's when they said, okay, now you have to actually walk off the field before you come back on this time. Yeah, uh, it doesn't look like Acosta ended up getting a yellow. Brian Acosta there. is it the was, one who yeah, got a yellow. Brian Acosta. Okay, yes, not yeah. Kellen. So Brian Acosta. Yeah. Of, yes, of, I'm of, sorry of for Honduras. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one yellow I do want to make note of is the Tyler Adams yellow card that he received because Honduras obviously trying to kill time was basically booted the ball away when they were supposed to play it. They had a, a free kick and. Tyler, they ball was booted down the field. Tyler Adams, who was on the bench for the U.S., stepped onto the field to boot the ball back to them. And in receiving the ball, Honduras, clearly not wanting to get back into play, kicked it back to him. So Tyler Adams received the ball and kicked it back at the guy. And it he turned the guy had turned around and he hit him. So Adams was showing a yellow card on the bench. Um. I love a yellow card getting like I love a player getting a yellow card that isn't even in the game. Yeah. So question. I, so does it? So does getting a yellow card during a game does that cap tie you? Uh, no. I don't know. No, it I think not. you you actually have to step on the field. You I was saying like, could we get Eunice Musa to uh, to kick the ball at someone and pick up a yellow card? I I don't know. You you might nope. want to check with FIFA on that one. But so our first semifinal wraps up with the one, the U.S. advancing as expected, but not as expected um, with the 1-0 victory of, over Honduras. The other semifinal, uh, Mexico and Costa Rica, uh, 0-0 final. Mexico advances on penalties. Uh, gentlemen, I'm going to ask you your thoughts first, but I just want to say I did stay for the first half of this game to see how it was, and I was so bored i left at halftime um did you guys have any thoughts that sounds about right that sounds about right i mean i wasn't i i started to watch the game turned it off i think i flipped it on at another point was not interested in in what was happening and then turned it back off again i mean both teams or sorry i shouldn't say both teams i should say all four teams did not play well in the semifinals, like not a single team played extremely well during the semifinals. I thought we, you know, the United States, you know, played bad. I thought Honduras played terribly. 
And Mexico and Costa Rica played a really boring brand of soccer that was not well received by anyone. But of course, you know, after the game, you know, Ochoa hits, you know, or I'm sorry, in penalties, Ochoa makes one save and all of a sudden it's Mexico played super well and held off, a, you know, a feisty Costa Rica. No, all these teams played terribly in the semifinal round, which, uh, I mean, I guess they left, they left it in the semifinal because I'm glad they did because it made for an incredible final. Yeah. Um, Costa Rica blowing a great chance to advance on penalties after Mexico missed their first. Um, Costa Rica was able to hold that advantage in PKs until their literally their next penalty um, where they missed to even it up. And then Alan Cruz uh, stopped by uh, Memo Ochoa at in the sixth round to give Mexico the expected berth in the final unexpectedly. Um, so before we get to the final, um, I do want to bring up that this Mexico Costa Rica game was the first appearance of the protocol from CONCACAF on the chance from the Mexican fans. Uh, did you guys think that CONCACAF did a good enough job enforcing this protocol? No, I mean, I, I, I don't think that I, I don't think CONCACAF ever will, because I think um, CONCACAF needs a successful Mexico team. And what really needs to be done to stop anything of this, there needs to be, you know, games need to be on the line. Points need to be deducted. Fans need to be left out of the game. And CONCACAF will never do any of those instances because that is taking out of their pockets. So for me, the answer is hell no. And here's why. Under the step protocol protocol that they have, there's a warning and then there's three steps. So they have four chances to have a have a match abandoned per game four chances per game four chances per game right so basically and then CONCACAF you know again Eric and I were in stands for the final the final you could hear the chant more than twice but the protocol only advanced to step one and so basically the, the long and short of it is CONCACAF is doing just enough to show to make it seem like they're doing something but are actually doing nothing. I translate that because, or I, I com, uh, compare that to the Mexico friendlies that they have been doing, where the the referee has been given the authority to abandon the match after one instance, and they didn't have they had one the other day against Honduras in Atlanta, so you know sold out seventy two thousand people. If there was one instance of the chant, they could have been the match would have been abandoned. There were no chances. There were no instances. So. What? That's, I mean, for me, I'm like, why is it a four-step process? It's not a four-step process for other things. Let's make it one. If you do it, the match can be abandoned at that point, and you're taking the you're taking the risk that your team could forfeit because of something that you do. Yeah, and like we even think about, you know, Donald, you and I said this is this weekend was four years ago. We went down the Azteca uh, for the World Cup qualifier, and we think of the instance where there was multiple 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 instances of the chant. But every single time there was a goal kick from the U.S., there was somebody, there was the announcer over the loudspeaker telling them not to do it. Like, th- this mm-hmm. is not a situation where it is unclear or it has been not communicated, cl- like, not communicated well to the team of, oh, should they or should they not do that? It has been 
clear like it has been clear and made clear by the by their federation by CONCACAF and so there there should be no excuse and no like gray area and the amount of times they've been allowed uh to give be given these chances for this yeah the thing here is CONCACAF can do all they want Mexico can do all they want the fans are still the assholes here like they're still doing the chant they're not taking the step of realizing that it's like you know, this is pretty dumb that CONCACAF has to stop the game over this. Maybe let's just kind of move on with our day. And it keeps happening. And really, it's the Mexican fans who have taken it upon themselves to stop being wrong about this, to actually move away from this chant so we can all get on with our lives. Um, and they can yeah. do it. I mean, like like we said, when they're told, hey, one instance in the match will be abandoned, they don't do it. It's clearly you give them chances. They're doing they're doing it. Okay. Oh, you give me four chances to do it. We have we have four, we have, you know, four slaps on the wrist. Okay, we'll take three of them. Like that's basically what they're doing. And CONCACAF also is selective about what they do here because, like I said, for the Costa Rica match, they played the they did this got to step one. So it happened twice where they made announcements, but you could hear it on every goal kick and i know you're going to talk about the final but one thing that really like irked me from the stands was that in the final the first like 20 minutes of the match for every time we were able to get a goal kick we would play it differently than we normally did because it seemed like the players felt like they had to take this necessary step to ensure that the chant didn't have an opportunity to arise so they would do a short short goal kick or you know something stupid where they were passing out of the back and making it so that didn't the fans didn't have an opportunity to gather and collect themselves to say it. So that, and that shouldn't be something that happens either. The players yeah. shouldn't have to take that responsibility. That should be on everyone. It should be on the fans, the Federation and Noah's trying, but they gotta, they gotta be harder about this. And CONCACAF needs to step in and say, look, we're not, we're not giving out chances anymore. The one time and you're gone, that's it. And we haven't seen that. And that's why it keeps going on. Yeah. So CONCACAF, uh, at some point has to step up and Mexican fans out there. If you're listening, quit, just shut the hell up. Uh, so we can move <laughs> on with our lives. Uh, so now that we got that out of the way, let's move on to the main course, the main dish of our dinner here. Uh, the inaugural 2019, 2020, is it, is it 2019, 2020. Or is it 2019-2021? Uh, let's go with how they're going with the Euros. They're still calling the Euros Euros 2020. So this is the 1920. Listen, hockey. the the T-shirt I got that says Champions says 2021 on it. So who the hell knows? But anyways. Time doesn't exist in CONCACAF <laughs> Nations League. <laughs> Time is irrelevant. Uh, so here we are. The conclusion of the most important sporting event on... In recorded human history, uh, the CONCACAF Nations League, uh, your final, your United States, your Mexico. Donald, talk about what the atmosphere was like in the stadium. It was exactly what we wanted. I mean, for it being not, you know, a, a not a full capacity, it was exactly what we wanted. There was energy. It was electric. People were ready. People were animated. There was people who traveled from far and wide for that match. Um, you know, even people who weren't at the Honduras match were like, Hey, we made it in this Mexico. Yeah, I'm coming. So everything was sold out. Everyone had a, you know, it was a very 
electric vibe uh, at pre games or you know walking into the stadium or you know actually inside the stadium and throughout the match it was like that too I mean it was emotional um, you know there was just a lot of a lot of things going on people were reacting with every kick of the ball every goal every you know yellow card every fight you know and it was that's what Concacaf wanted that's what Concacaf desired that's what everyone who's in this region desired to see one of the best rivalries in the world take center stage and deliver on providing an exciting matchup and that was one of the wildest matches i've ever seen yeah no i mean for me personally i could sense like a palpable anxiety from u.s fans after that performance on thursday you see them barely eking out that win over honduras and i mean it's mexico that they hadn't beat them in competition since 2013 like there was a lot of years and a lot of buildup. I mean, for all the fans that traveled in for that game, like these were the first like normal games that U.S. fans have been able to go to since 2019. You know, so I mean, there was it was almost like a fan reunion for us, but knowing what was what the stakes were because it is Mexico, uh, you definitely got that vibe in the stadium. I mean, I, th- that vibe was everywhere. So, I mean. You know, I was the the one the one of the three of us that was unable to make it out to to Denver for this game. But you know, walking uncommitted, in, <laughs> committed. <laughs> it's the inaugural Concacaf Nations League Finals. I'm just yeah, saying. I picked the wrong time to change jobs. Um, yeah, but I think you know, just walking into you know a bar full of U.S. fans. I mean, ever the anxiety, the the nerves um, were everywhere. And damn, did it feel good. Like, I mean, I know that we're not trying to make this a U.S. centric podcast, but like as someone who is who who has I mean, this game is. But I mean, as someone who has not had that like palpable, like, you know, stakes like that, those stakes have not been in in play for the longest time. Man, did it feel good to be that like, I mean, to be that nervous. Maybe just I'm a masochist that like enjoyed that. But like there was a there was an extent of like, ah, that feels good. It feels good. Yeah, no, it it definitely felt like normal for the first time in a long time. And that's definitely um, welcomed um, as we get back into some sense of normalcy. Uh, so we get to the match and the match starts off uh, with a bang. Um, U.S. defender Mark McKenzie makes a mistake in the back. Uh, Jesus Corona scores for Mexico, putting them up one nothing just a minute into the match. What was your reaction, knowing seeing that happen so early? Since this is in uh, going to be an explicit episode, I'll give you my actual reaction. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, they're that's all what explicit. I said. Yeah, they're all that's explicit. what I said. I mean, that's yeah. what it was. It, you know, that uh, you want to have a good start. And to not ha- and to have the opposite of that was, you know, at the time people in the stands were just like, what? Like, we can't have this. This can't be good. Um, and we saw bits and pieces of that. Uh, but I, I will say after that, you know, just after that, that I liked the fight that we saw. And I know we'll talk a little bit more about that. So I'll leave it there. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think, I think you on. put it put it the same words that I said. I mean, I think my exact words may, may have been "God fucking damn it," uh, but I mean, it's a similar feel going into that. Yeah, I mean, being that early, you're like, okay, there's a lot of time left. For me, the moment was when Mexico scored their second goal, and you're like, oh shit, this is gonna get bad. And then the VAR gods showed up and uh, Mexico was ruled offside. And that just like, I mean, it was a clear offside. Like that was the right call, but that decision flipped the game more. I was almost more so than say, So in the stadium, when they scored that second goal, uh, you could hear the Mexico fans started chanting Dos Acero to us. And Right as that happened, we like, I think we all looked up and we saw that the referee was going to the monitor. We're like, oh, wait, this yeah. is coming back. Yeah. Uh, Cause, you know, it seemed like it's like we thought it was outside, but this seems like it's coming back. And then literally, like that, he took it off the board. And then, like, two minutes later, it all turned around for us. Yeah. All yeah, turned I around. Know. Go ahead. When that goal went in, I, so I was at, at the O bar and I, just, I, I stepped outside in frustration. Um, and there's there there is a out there's a patio and a, and a screen, um, and so like in the in the time of like just me pacing in frustration, like and I was like, all right, they're taking this away, and then the U.S. scored that. That I was like, all right, let's go, let's go. Like it yeah. was a it, it was a it was a, there was such a quick turn in in momentum and energy, um, and I can't imagine what that was like in the stadium as well. Yeah, so in a matter of two minutes, uh, the U.S. goes to the other end of the field, gets a corner. Um, Weston McKinney had, hits the left post with a header, and uh, Giovanni Reina buries the rebound. And all of a sudden, it's 1-1. And you could feel the entire stadium, just like a wave go over this whole stadium. Not like the actual wave, but like a, an emotional wave go over the whole stadium and be like, oh shit, this is a game now. And things only escalated from there. Uh, so is there anything else from the first half that I'm missing? I'm looking at the box score. Was there anything? No, but uh, before I'll just we say get... Go ahead. I was Go ahead, Donald. When it comes to corners, you know, this became a theme, but the United States were incredible on their corners. There was every, I think I counted five or six corners that they had throughout the game. Two of them became goals and the other ones required Memo Ochoa saves. Uh, one of them, uh, West McKinney shot that was going upper 90. He had to make a ridiculous save on that one. So it was incredible to see how well they played on corners. We should have just played from corner spot all night. So before we get into the second half, I do want to congratulate CONCACAF on the decision they made. Whoever at CONCACAF made the decision to put the VAR screen in between the two benches, I mean, like, like applause to them. Every single game, the VAR screen should be between the benches because that was just box office. Yes, we, <laughs> we will, this will come into play very shortly. Uh, so we get into the second half. Uh, obviously, tensions are high. Uh, the next big thing that happens uh, is substitution. And it's Diego Linez coming in for Mexico, replacing Uriel Antuna. And Tata Martino, he figured out 
wait a minute, Tim Ream's back there. And they made this sub, and my good friend Matt Prussian, who was sitting next, standing next to me, he looks at me, he's like, this isn't good. And within moments... Let's not forget, let's not forget Zach Steffen comes oh, out. I mean, for, completely missed the Zach Steffen thing. Oh, yeah, just a starting <laughs> keeper getting hurt and having to get replaced. For a um, non-contact injury. Like, <sighs> I mean, the Linez injury is uh, one, two, three, four five like five substitutions later uh before the line is yeah i mean i think the big thing is yeah it was 69th minute uh you know, ethan horvath replaced nice. zach stefan yes Not so nice. nice well he was like zach stefan was on the field for about five minutes and the one thing i did notice because i got home from denver monday night like monday afternoon monday night i sat down and watched the whole damn game and the thing that I noticed most was like my sense of time between when things happen or how long things took completely warped by being in that stadium. So the, yes, the injury to the injury to Stefan in, in the stadium, you said it was only like five or five minutes or so where they were figuring trying to figure out whether he can continue for us. It felt like 30 minutes, like every, like the amount of times we saw him try to get up, try to like, shake it off and go back down like every single time fans in the stand just kind of like oh no oh no again oh like like get him off and then you could see ethan horvath kind of getting his you know getting his jersey and kind of going over to like start warming up and we're like okay it's clearly like they're trying to get him time to warm up but every single time it was so agonizing the five minutes felt like an eternity yeah, I mean, it felt like a turn to me just watching it and like just watching it on TV because like I remember specifically there's an instance where like McKenny goes over to Stefan and, and like is having a conversation with him, which what felt like forever was tell- basically I felt like he was telling him like, man, I know you are hurt and I know you want to keep playing, but like you're going to do more damage if you just keep playing like there there was definitely mm-hmm. like I felt like a conversation of like, man, we're with you, but like you you don't need to be out there, which it like just shows the the like the accountability of this team of being able to say like and I don't think Stefan was someone that felt like oh someone's attacking him it was just like we understand but like you know we got we all got to think about what's what's in it for, what's the best for the, for the team at this minute yeah so this will kind of be a theme there's so much that happens you forget things happened uh so yeah Stefan go gets replaced by Ethan Horvath and this is about this is nine minutes prior to that line as sub that I referenced. So even only being in for about 10 minutes, Horvath surrenders a goal. U.S. goes down to one. And just like in the first half, it goes the other way real quick. U.S. goes down the field after the goal, wins a corner, and there's Weston McKinney again uh, with a header. Uh, beating Memo Ochoa to tie the game 2-2. And tie game, huge momentum swing, huge emotional swing, and this is where things really started to pop off. Uh, So you've got about eight minutes of regular time left. If I remember correctly, it was seven minutes of stoppage time that they added on the first 90. Yeah, yeah it was seven minutes. Like so that. seven minutes of stoppage time. How much do you yeah. think they played? Um, like two, because I didn't realize going back and looking at this. So in the 90th or the, the actually about the 89th, 90th minute, 
Um, a ball gets played in behind to the U.S. Um, in the U.S. back line. Horvath comes out and collects, um, and Hector Herrera uh, slides in. And just one of the most blatant studs-up challenges into Horvath while he is laying on the ground. That happened in like the 88th, 89th it was, minute. It was like it wasn't until like minute. I'm looking at was, the box score right now. 92nd minute. I know, but it was like I felt like it was about three or four minutes before the yellow card is actually issued. But that's correct of because the we melee didn't know that takes place. Because the fact that Hector Herrera not only cleated um, Ethan Horvath, he also grabbed Weston McKinney by the throat. And not in a, like, oh, maybe he just, like, touched his throat. Like, The Undertaker was out there and getting ready to give him a choke slam. And the fact that, like, two instances in the span of, like, two minutes were clear red card offenses, and he just skates away with yellow. Right. And at the same time, you know, it, it the reason why I know it was right as stoppage time occurred is because we didn't get the number of how much stoppage time there was until after that yellow card was shown in the 92nd minute. So we're like, okay, so it's seven minutes of stoppage time, which seems very low considering how long uh, Zach Steffen was on the ground and all the fights that have occurred during the game and all the stoppages that have occurred during the game. But uh, how much do we actually have? And then, Eric, as you know, we had the three-minute stoppage for step one, uh, step one discriminatory protocol So because of the, of the chant. And that took three minutes, three, at least three or four minutes off of the clock as well. Yeah. 90 yeah. plus well, 10 was the amount of time they got played that in that, in that yes, first I was 90. Just about to say, I had the box score pulled up. We got to the second half ends at 90 plus 10, uh, which will not be the last time we see a number that big uh, as we get through this game. So Hector Herrera commits two red card offenses in the span of stoppage time and stays in the game. And it's important that he stays in the game uh, because this isn't going to be the last time uh, that he he comes into play here. Uh, So we get into extra time, uh, being the CONCACAF Nations League final and needing a true champion. We're doing the full full extra time, 2.15 minutes, um, and then going to PKs if still tied. And we get through the first part of stoppage time. Uh, do either of you recall when the guy ran on the field? Was that the first half of stoppage time? Or the second no, that's half? the second half of stoppage time. What happens second, in between? Yeah. What happens? Uh, so let's step back for a second because you guys are in the stadium. What does happen in between the end of regular time and the beginning of stoppage time is we go to the, the on-field studio. Uh, where Clint Dempsey is just absolutely slaying it out there and his Kenneth Camo tuxedo jacket. Um, but in the midst of this, a guy runs onto the set and is then chased off by security, and the guy jumps over a railing to heights unknown. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we have no clue. And I, I just want to, like, at one point, so after this melee happens, um, Kate Abdo looks over at Dempsey and Gooch and, and, and Davies and asks, why no one ran to her rescue and deuce's words were well i saw you over there in that sons of anarchy leather jacket and figured you could handle yourself <laughs> yeah i had no well, i'll tell you we had no idea that happened inside the stadium we had no idea that happened but we can tell you so we our vantage point we could see the back of the set 
uh, my man had to drop at least 10 feet uh, down. <laughs> and it's not like he jumped down, ladies and gentlemen. He fell down. Like, he jumped <laughs> over the railing and went, he like, dropped. Yeah, he <laughs> dropped. And you could see, I mean, the only thing when I watched the video, you could see Deuce kind of look down at, to watch him fall. And he doesn't seem overly concerned about dude. So he's probably Plus alive. Deuce. Like, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, Deuce just kind of like, oh man, that boy fell. Like, dang. <laughs> Uh, anyway we're going back to the game like that's how he was so that uh, big us to deuce he's he's the goat so we get through the first half of stoppage time um through the 105th minute of course they had added three minutes of stoppage time for the first 15 minutes it was stoppage of extra time they got to ended up being four minutes, but they only put three up on the board. I remember this because I was trying to do math in my head. <laughs> I did read after the fact that through all the stoppages, like the clock was running for like 148 minutes, mm-hmm. which is absolutely absurd. Like 120 was supposed to be like, that's a lot. 148, just insane. So we get into the second half of extra time, still tied 2-2. And shortly after the beginning is where things pop off. Uh, U.S. forward Christian Pulisic pulled down in the box. No call immediately. The play continues. Ball is played out of bounds. But then it's VAR time. The, it, everyone's making the box signal in the stands. The referee's heading to that spot between the benches. Uh, as we referenced earlier, brilliantly placed between the benches because the ref gets over there and clearly concerned that his team may have surrendered a penalty in stoppage time. Uh, Tata Martino decides to go over and have a, a buddy chat with the referee and puts his arm around. He's like, yeah, no, we're you're not going to call a penalty here, right? <laughs> ref is like, yo, who who do you think you are? And just hands him a red. Right there. So Tata Martino. While Greg Berhalter yeah. is also hugging Tata, saying yeah. like, yo, man, you don't maybe want you this. should give back. You're about to get a red card. Oh, never mind. You just did. Well, yeah. it was good to see you. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to do this. So they award the penalty. Pulisic takes it, buries it. U.S. goes up 3-2. Pulisic runs to the corner uh, to celebrate with his teammates. And they are greeted with uh, projectiles from fans wearing green and black and pink in the stadium, uh, including a cup that finds the head of U.S. Uh, US player Giovanni Reina. Uh, he gets sent to the ground, and this is where, I mean, things got off the rails prior to this, but this is where, like, the train somersaulted off the rails and burst into flames. Well, and like not only that, so before Pulisic takes the penalty, so you talk about Tata Martino, he goes over and goes over, gives the ref a cuddle. Um, he gets a red card, but doesn't leave the field. So like Pulisic's getting ready to take the penalty, and Mark Tata has not left the field. So the referee then walks away to walk back over to the bench to make sure he leaves the field. Like, I mean, that whole instance, I mean. Like, it's a script that just cannot be written. I mean, it was just, I mean, so I was was having a conversation, like, you know, on Twitter with fans and, and things like that. But, like, the amount of non-soccer fans that got into this game 
was just uh there's a guy in nashville that he was talking he's like this game reminds me of like monday night nwo wcw like the height of monday night nitro was what this game was now some of those words may not make sense to some of you around the world but let me tell you (laughs) things got a little crazy we'll we'll say that so this foul took place in the 108th minute about the 114th is when christian pulisic is lining this up and in that time span you saw all the mexican players going over the penalty spot and just doing their best job to kind of tear up that area. You can see on the video that the spot where Pulisic would be planting his foot was pretty much bare. There was no grass there. They were doing Mm -hmm. their best to make it tough for him to finish that. And he scores, rips it top corner. I don't know if anyone's stopping that. Just as he said after the game, top bins and place just goes wild. They go to the corner and things start hitting the field, not just in that corner, but around the field. So U.S. is up 3-2. Play continues. Again, this is with about five minutes left in regular time of extra time. And in the 119th minute, uh, U.S. defender Mark McKenzie off a corner. Um, it was a corner, right? Or it was just a ball across the box? It was a, I think it was a free kick or something. It was yeah. a free kick. Okay. But anyways, ball coming in. Uh, played towards the goal, hits Mark McKenzie in the hand, and hits off John Brooks and goes, and Ethan Horvath picks it up, if I'm correct. Mm-hmm. And Mexico's shouting for a penalty. They ended up going to review it. We all, I don't know about you, Donald, but for me, I was looking at replays like, John Brooks didn't touch that. That's not a handball. Not even considering the fact that it hit McKenzie before that. Uh, they go to VAR. Tata's not there to sweet talk the ref and the referee decides to award another VAR penalty to Mexico. Eric, I should mention, I should break at this point to give you guys the lowdown on what I told everyone in the stands as they signaled for VAR at this point, And the ref is running over to the monitor. Uh, one of our friends was like, Hey D, what do you think about this? And I go, it doesn't matter what he, what he thinks. Ethan Horvath is stopping this shot. So, <laughs> I tell I literally said, hey, Ethan Horvath is stopping this. No, no, no worries here. And he can go ahead and he can either take the penalty away and that's fine. But if he awards it, Ethan Horvath is stopping it. Yeah, that's I what said, I said in the stands. I said something similar to uh, Eric to Steve Kraft. I said, he said, do you think they give this? I said, I mean, I think they give it and I think they save it. I think Horvath saves it. I don't think it's a penalty. I actually probably the Pulisic one is, you know, could or could or could not be a penalty Listen. too. As an American, it's my duty to tell you that Pulisic foul was a penalty. <laughs> that was yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah, no, I said similar. I was like, they're going to give it, and it's going to get saved. Yeah. See, I a penalty in that spot where they're down one, and we've lived the last four, five years of supporting American soccer. I felt like that was inevitable. Being a true Buffalo sports fan, I expect the worst in every every situation. But I must tell you that the vibes were very strong in that stadium at that time. And I will say, for me, it's it it didn't feel like oh no, here we go. It felt like Buffalo Wild Wings hit the button. That's what it felt <laughs> like to me. Because it was, I mean, like you said, like you said, Eric is right at the end of extra of extra time, regular time. We were about to yeah. go in the stoppage time. And we were like, 
Like there can't be any time because we saw the time of the clock stop at one twenty. Like there's like this game's got to be over. Like this is a this is someone calling it in saying like, hey, we need to go to penalties. penalties. Yeah, they want to go to penalties. So here's a penalty. Uh, Andres Guardado of Mexico steps up. Ethan Horvath denies it. Place goes bonkers and things continue to pop off from there. Uh, play continues. Um, there was another instance. Was the guy running on the field prior to this or after? It was this? post this. He, was he post comes, this. He, he comes on. He runs on after the penalty is missed, and is very much like I feel like even like everyone just kept playing. Like it was like oh, this is but a footnote in this wild game. I want to say okay, so this would have happened between the 120 plus six, and then it was the 120 plus nine when Christian Pulisic was taken down along the sideline when there was another scuffle uh, and projectiles continued to rain down, uh, this time striking Mexican players as well. Um, Projectiles happened to be coming from all over the field. I did get hit. I was sitting second row behind the goal. I got struck in the back of the head with a cup. I hope it was beer. Um, but fortunately, it had been launched far enough that it, most of the liquid contents, the contents, I'll say, most of that had left. So it was just a cup hitting me in the back of the head. Um, I definitely got hit by beer, water, soda. Like my my jersey was messed up, and whoever I, did it, yo, you got you got cleaning bill coming. Yeah, I um, I would have made a joke about catching a stray, but considering how my night ended. I'll, I'll refrain from that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so another scuffle along the sidelines. Uh, Andres Gordado shown a yellow card. Um, and we end up getting to the 120 plus 11th minute for we finally get the whistle. And the U.S. claims the inaugural CONCACAF Nations League final. I'll just ask a simple question. Did it live up to the hype? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then some. Like, come on, man. <laughs> like, if you go to like, like, I, like, describe a wild game, you catch half of this. Like, yeah. I, and like, and and someone would say that was unbelievable. Yeah, going full Concacaf doesn't even have all these options. You know, <laughs> the VAR penalty. There's only one box. There's no two boxes for that. And the V and in the VAR penalty instance, it's not between the two benches. Oh yeah, the VAR box between the guy running onto the field. Um, I mean, players... Herrera got another. There was another instance Herrera should have been sent off. I it's at some point in extra time, he makes a awful challenge that they award a foul, but it was a clear yellow card. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there was a the ref in this game also did not have control. I mean, well, I, I won't say that he he had more control than. Uh, U.S. Honduras referee did, but this one just you know kind of you could t- you could feel that there was a lot of pressure on him. This is USA Mexico, and he didn't want to make a mistake, so he decided not to make anything. Like that, that's basically what happened. Even with the VAR stuff, it was like you could see like on the first one, he kind of went to the monitor and was like, "Tell me, tell me what what to say. Like, tell me how I how I play this." Uh, and that's kind of why in the second one took so long because again, he was like, he knew it was a big call and he went to make sure he got it right. 
I think he got it wrong. But, uh, you know, that sort of thing, you could tell that that man lived up was like, hey, I I can't make a mistake here because if I do, there are tens of millions of fans that are going to be very, very upset. With the me. level of showmanship as well from the referee and for fans that, that may watch the Premier League are familiar with the likes of Mike Dean, who loves more than anything to to make a spectacle um, of the event and of himself. Uh, and and the, when the decision to give the Pulisic penalty, the emphatic nature of the point to the spot, I mean, is something that I feel like those showman referees would all be jealous. I'm sure there's a referees WhatsApp group going around and all of them were like, did you just see that? He yeah. had great form. Yeah. Be like, yo, that guy is having a great night. <laughs> yeah. The referees union is very happy with that. So after years of anticipation and a lifetime of waiting, we got the CONCACAF Nations League final that we deserved. And it's all you're so happy that it it lived up to all the expectations, but you're also sad it's over. Um, But the U.S. claims the first title. Uh, We move on. They will look to defend their title in the 2022-2023 CONCACAF Nations League, which will begin next May. May 2022 is the first uh, set of match days. Um, Of course, these four uh, semifinalist teams will stay in League A, where they're joined by El Salvador, Grenada, Jamaica, and Suriname. Uh, League B, League C, uh, lots of good competition. I'm sure we will be doing uh, a series of episodes previewing the CONCACAF Nations League next year as we get closer. Uh, but any final thoughts about uh, what we saw in Denver? I love this region, and I love this tournament. <laughs> See, I told y'all, y'all are out here clowning this, and now when that when that episode comes next next May or next April, whenever we do it, about the next Champions League or Nations League, y'all going to be on it. That's going to be our most listened to episode because everyone's going to be like, yo, I need to be a part of this. And also, shout out to uh, Eric and I, and I think maybe like, eight other people for being the only people other than the teams to participate in all six, uh, be fans at all six nations league games featured in the United States. Hold up. Hold up. I must confess. I was only at four of the six. I can go to the oh. games. Yeah. Oh, that's I right. I did the two road. I did, did, did the two road games. I So, so I take you off, off that list. There was like yeah. nine of us. Yeah. I don't deserve respect. Um, but you know who does deserve respect? The CONCACAF Nations League. CONCACAF Nations League. Mm-hmm. Um, so this brief bonus episode that we wanted to do for you turned out to be a nice long episode uh, just focusing on lists. Obviously, in our typical format, we don't have the time that this final deserved. Uh, so we wanted to keep this uh, separate from that. We are going to bring you a new episode. We promise at some point in the very near future. Uh, funny thing happens when a pandemic is over is that you have like life getting in the way and you can't do your podcast about the North Central and Caribbean Federation Soccer League. Yeah. So we will take time coming up to review World Cup qualifying. The first round is concluded. The second round will have concluded by the time we get together again. 
But thanks for joining us. Uh, again, for Eric Schmitz, for Donald Wine, for Jonathan Slate. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for supporting CONCACAF. And we will see you soon. <laughs>